Hello, and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. Coming to you Wednesday uh, on a busy day in the NBA. Uh, Phil Jackson let go by the New York Knicks. Chris Paul acquired by the Houston Rockets. Uh, but here on the Posting Up podcast, we're going to talk to Adam Himmelsbach, uh, my good friend from the Boston Globe, about the Celtics. Uh, this might be the only day the Celtics are not in the middle of the news between now and the end of July, and it's only 5 o'clock Eastern, so they could still get in the news later. Um, but the Celtics, uh, between uh, swapping the first and third picks with the, the Philadelphia 76ers, moving down to take Jason Tatum instead of taking Markel Fultz, uh, to the ongoing Paul George talks, to the potential of signing Gordon Hayward as a free agent next month or maybe other players, um, the Celtics have their hands in just about everything that's going on in the league right now, and Adam and I went through all of it. Um, so it should be a fun listen. think you guys will enjoy it. Um, so with that, without any further ado, let me get you to my conversation with Adam. All right, Adam, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's kind of crazy with all the stuff that's happened in the NBA the last couple of days. Uh, it seems like for once the Boston Celtics have not actually been involved, which uh, given how active they've been in the middle of talks for seemingly two years now, I imagine it's got to be kind of a weird feeling for you. Yeah, although really, Tim, like, if you think about it, like, most often over these past years, it's been talks. It seems like they've always made these huge deals. But, you know, since the Isaiah Thomas trade, and you could argue the trading from one to three was significant, but they haven't really made significant trades. More often, they've just been rumored to and rumored to be involved. And sometimes they're close and sometimes they're not. But every time something pops up, they're a team that's in the discussion because of all these assets that they have and how they've made themselves kind of like an attractive place to play. Yeah, no, it's very true. I mean, we've, we've talked about that a lot, you and I, how they've kind of been, you know, rumored to be about to make a big deal um, many times and then uh, that uh, they haven't really got it done. Um, you know, what, let's go back to last week. Uh, you know, we'll get to some of the stuff that's happening right now in a bit, but, you know, the, the Celtics make the trade to go back to the third pick from the first pick. They get another pick in the future from the Sixers. They end up taking Jason Tatum. Um, you know, the Danny Ainge, I thought had a very interesting press conference where he, uh, you know, called out Josh Jackson essentially for not working out with the Celtics. Um, what were your, now that you've had some time to think about it and Tatum's been introduced and stuff, uh, what are your overall thoughts on, on that move and, and kind of the way all of that played out with, you know, not only the, the Celtics moving down to three, but, you know, at least with the way Ainge reacted in that press conference, it does at least make you think that there's a possibility they might have liked to take Jackson and didn't because of his workout, which seems like an odd way to uh, to approach that kind of a move, too. Yeah, the workout thing was fascinating because not only was Josh Jackson reluctant to come into Boston and say, I'm not coming to Boston, which we knew. I knew and had reported for a while that he had also canceled a visit on his home turf involving the Celtics. Um I hadn't realized, and I don't think anybody had realized the extent of that, that they had actually flown to Sacramento. Uh, Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, and Assistant General Manager Mike Zarin literally flew to Sacramento, got there, and at that point were told, nope, you can't, we're not doing this workout for you. You should go home. And then, you know, according to Zarin, they spent a few hours in a hotel, like got, took a quick nap, and we're back on a plane headed home. I mean, I would wow. be, I don't know about you, but I would be furious. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, that was very strange. Now, did you did you ever get any sense from the Jackson camp as to why they were so anti the Celtics? I mean, was it? I mean, I mean, and if not, do you have any theories? Yeah, so I mean, I I asked Josh about it at the availability right the day before the draft, and 
his rationale then was, look, when they had the number one pick, me and my agent decided they're not going to take me because we didn't think I was a realistic chance, so I didn't want to waste their time and I didn't want to waste my time, which, you know, you could argue if that's a ridiculous approach or not, but that was what he wanted to do. <laughs> it's not like a Lonzo Ball situation where he's like, hey, I'm going to do whatever I can to be a Laker. He just, like, didn't want to work right. himself. And he said, and we said, well, what? About, well, now they have three. He goes, yeah, you know, now they have three. I would have done a workout for them. It's just logistically, like time-wise, it didn't work out. Uh, he goes, I, I haven't spoken to Danny Ainge yet. This is the, the Wednesday night before the draft. He said, I haven't spoken to Danny Ainge yet, but I spoke to Brad Stevens and a couple of his assistants last week, which I thought was a little odd. I was like, why are you know why is why are Celtics assistants <laughs> talking to Josh right. Jackson, but his coaches, <laughs> right. or but Danny Ainge isn't? And sure enough. That was not true at all, either, according to the Celtics. I asked them, and they said he, Brad Stevens never spoke to Josh Jackson during this process, and neither did the assistant <laughs> coach. So I don't know if he thought he was speaking to Brad, and it was some other coach from some other team. I'm sure these guys have a lot of stuff going on. It's probably easy to get mixed up, but it's really been a bizarre – that was a whole bizarre situation. Yeah, no, it really was. Um, you know, and I think, I think it's probably safe to say that uh, for anything that Josh was saying, the, the real thing that – made them decide they didn't want to go there is the fact that the Celtics have 9,000 wing players and right. could potentially end up with Gordon Hayward and uh, uh, Paul George, right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that probably more, the, more realistically the, the thing that would have made B.J. Armstrong kind of go, you know what, you're better off trying to go play in, uh, you know, Philly or Phoenix or some other place where there aren't 17 uh, guys in front of you in line? Yeah, I mean, logically, and, and you know, and the Celtics then, that was a little puzzling because, they have so many, not only is he like a wing player, but it's kind of like the athletic, defensive focused, you know, hey, like sort of like Jalen Brown, like the guy they just drafted. Right, know? right. Like not, you know, Marcus Smart's obviously a guard, but kind of the tenacious, not that great of a shooter type of player that Danny Ainge does love. That's why a lot of us thought maybe that would be the guy. There's only so many, like you said, there's only so many of those guys you can put on your team. But then, you know, once they trade down to three, we, we certainly thought that was a possibility. And I don't think... I don't think that's why they didn't take this. Danny Ainge is a guy, you know, who isn't going to let this stuff affect him. He knows long-term, you know, if they drafted him, that wouldn't have been, like, they would have been smoothed over pretty right. quickly. They would have figured it out, and he's moving forward most, several years ahead of the time with this player. So I, I don't think necessarily that was the reason they didn't take him. No, and I agree with you. That was what, in, like, Ainge is kind of famously a, a pretty rational guy when it comes to this stuff. I mean, he, he does – he's pretty cold and calculating in how he approaches things. Um, it's just, to me, it was, uh, it was just very interesting to see that, uh, that he came out and said stuff about it. Cause that, that was that even at him saying stuff was out of character yeah. in the way he usually approaches things. Yeah, I totally agree. I was surprised for him to say that means he was probably absolutely furious for him to go into that much detail about how the situation went down. But, you know, they have like Jason Tatum for a while. I don't, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If I, it, it, it was weird to hear them say, you know, you never know if it's just lip service, and they say we would have taken him number one overall. But they did say earlier in the process that the guy they think they're going to get at three was the guy they would have taken one. So, you know, who knows? I guess we'll never know for sure. Yeah. Now let's let's talk about we we spent a lot of time not talking about the guy that they actually drafted. Um, you know, how do you do you you, know, you just kind of mentioned you think you could see him getting put in a trade? What is your um, if you had to put odds on it right now, what do you think the odds are that he is a Celtic uh, at the start of training camp? Oh, I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see a trade right now that's that's out there that they would make that would involve them. You know, Paul George is obviously the big trade that they would be shooting for, but I don't think they're going to be putting Jason Tatum 
um, into that. I think they like him a lot. You know, he's a kind of dynamic scorer. He's a guy that can create, can create his own shot, which aside from Isaiah, you don't have a ton of. But look, like the fan, fans weren't happy. Like fans in Boston, once those lottery balls popped out, they were hyped. They were ready Markel for Markel. They were ready for Markel Fultz, right? They were super ready, Tim. Like they were like going bananas over Markel Fultz, and then all of a sudden it was taken away from them, and they were kind of like, wait a minute, like wasn't this the whole goal to like? get this Nets pick and win the lottery and then get our choice of the best guy out there, the potential superstar, and now it's gone. So there's, you know, it's, this is going to be a big part of Danny's legacy. I've had some people ask me, like, oh, could Danny get fired if Marco Fultz becomes a star? I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah, there's no – he's he's got maybe the most secure job in the entire league, and he should. I mean, he's a terrific GM. But Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, more, it's more that this will be a part of his legacy, though, for sure. Like, people will look back, and how this trade goes will be a big part of his legacy. Yeah, you don't trade. I mean, you have to have you have to be the most secure GM in the league to make that trade, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you have to be you have to be in such a confident position in your job that you're willing to trade down. Because like, look, if Danny Ainge had taken Markel Fultz, and let's say he'd taken Markel Fultz and Jason Tatum became a better player than Markel Fultz, uh, nobody would have questioned Ainge taking Markel Fultz. Right. They would have just they would have said, oh, you know, something happened. Whatever happened with Fultz, you didn't become the player we expected to be. But if you trade down from one to three and Markel Fultz becomes the player, I think most people outside of Boston's front office think he can be. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Jason Tatum is a good, but not great player. Um, all of a sudden that, like you said, that's something that in the future to be like, man, you know, you know, Markel Fultz is an eight time all-star and Jason Tatum's a one time all-star. And, you know, we had the chance to get Jason Tatum and we didn't get, or we had the chance to get Markel Fultz. And we didn't get him. I mean, it is a really, it is a really fascinating dynamic. Now, what, what do you think was the thing that kind of turned off the Celtics to Fultz? Because it, it really did seem. Because I know there were a lot of people when that trade happened. You know, I think we even texted about it, thinking, well, is this maybe a precursor to a Paul George trade? Do you move down and then move the three pick for Jimmy Butler or something like that? But you know, they pretty clearly just decided they didn't like Markel Fultz as much as everybody else. So, uh, I mean, what do you what do you think was the thing that kind of gave them pause to decide they wanted to go in another direction there? Yeah, talking to some people kind of around the team, the sense I get, they think Markel Fultz is great. They think he's going to be a great player. But they didn't view it as a big gap between him. They they, thought they had four guys bunched at the top, Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, Lonzo Ball, and Markel Fultz, and they didn't find huge separation in their valuations of these guys between any of them. So their thinking was, all right, if we, in our evaluations, if we find there's not a big separation, let's guarantee that we're going to get one of these four. And then also, hey, guess what? Get what appears to be a very high first-round pick either next year or the year after that and see what we can turn that into. Or whether, you know, whether we take a young developing player with that or we use that, like you mentioned, Tim, like in a bigger trade down the road and then still have Jason and Tatum. They kind of viewed it as a chance to kind of get a free spin, I guess. I mean, was uh, what was your what was kind of your take on it? Did you were you surprised that they made the move, or had you been hearing for a while that that they maybe weren't quite as enamored with um, with faults as a lot of people thought they were? Yeah, I was. I mean, I was surprised by the move, like anyone else. I didn't necessarily have a chance or a thought that they would deal with the Sixers to pop down to three. Like that to me, that's kind of the fascinating thing on this is not only did they trade faults or the rights to faults, they traded him to like the only team to me long-term looks like it's going to be their biggest competition when you look at the combination of assets and young players they have. The Sixers are, like, potentially going to be really good in, like, right. whatever, three, four, five years. 
where, you know, eventually LeBron James has to slow down at some point, and the Sixers are the team that's probably in position to be really good. And all of a sudden, you shift him to your division rival. Um, you know, if that's, that was the best option, the best deal they had on the table, I guess you have to go for it. But that kind of surprised me a little bit. Well, the irony of that, too, right, is that the Sixers did the thing that everybody has been um, waiting for Boston to do, right? Like, they, Boston's been accumulating assets for years. Yep. And so have the Sixers. And, you know, obviously the guy who accumulated most of those assets, Sam Hinkie, is no longer in uh, Philly anymore. But um, you look at what uh, you look at what Brian Colangelo did with the Sixers. He said, we need a guy like Marco Fultz. That's going into the draft, Philly desperately wanted to get that number one pick because he was the thing they didn't have on their roster, a guard who could play either spot, who could shoot the ball, could handle the ball next to Ben Simmons. It's just a perfect fit for what they needed. And they said, look, we need to get this guy, so let's go make this move and, and get him because that's, that's like the last piece we need. Yeah, cash and that, Right, exactly. And that was, like you said, not only did they trade him in the division, not only did they trade down from the number one pick, but it was, to me, really fascinating to see the team on the other side of the trade doing the thing that a lot of people have just been waiting for Boston to do, which is finally – kind of push the chips in and say, all right, this is going to be what our team looks like, as opposed to just continually kind of rolling along and, you know, seem, in a seeming, seemingly endless series of trades, just kind of waiting to see when the overall vision for, like, what direction they're going in is going to come together. Yeah, no, I think I think that's accurate. And, I, and there's a good majority of people in Boston, you know, fans and whatnot, who were like, great, great, like, we got another pick. Like, let's, what good is that going to do us? And then – you you know, a casual fan hears all these things with protections and 2018 might become 2019 and like it's it's not very concrete to them. So I think there was for sure a level of frustration like, okay, well, I thought we already had a million of these picks. Why are we doing a chance or why are we passing up a chance to get the guy? Everyone says is a superstar to get essentially another one of these picks. Right. But Danny's just kind of saying, listen, trust me, have faith in kind of our vision and what we're going to do here. So he has earned that right. Now, Let's let's spin this forward a little bit. Um, you know, obviously the Celtics. Uh, um, oh, actually, you know what? I wanted to ask you one thing. Uh, what what have people what have people with the Celtics said so far about uh, Semi Ojale, their second round pick, who I thought was going to be some, drafted somewhere in the twenties, fell all the way to thirty seven. Um, thought he was a, a pretty nice gift for them there. What's uh, what what is kind of the preliminary word on him? Do you think he is a guy that that they think could be part of the mix there, or is it more likely that he's another one of these guys that winds up as potentially trade fodder in, in some deal over the next few weeks? Yeah, I mean, they like him. Uh, I think whether or not he's on the roster next season depends partly on what else they do this summer. If they, they do right. a trade where they're shipping out a bunch of pieces, then he's got a great chance of being on. He's, an, he's obviously an older player. They, I can't say that I watched many SMU games this past season, um, but, he, you know, from everything I've Slack. seen on clips, yeah. <laughs> Uh, actually, randomly, I did a big story on Avery Bradley and his best friend, uh, the guy Lavelle Page. Uh, he works. He's like a SMU kind of trainer, assistant coachy guy who's around the team. So I spoke to him about him a little bit, and he goes, "Look, he's a tough dude. You know, he's mature. He was the AAC Player of the Year. Uh, just kind of uh, strong. People have compared him a little bit to Jay Crowder. Um, maybe not necessarily. Um, I don't know. Maybe not the shooter Jay became this year, but they have potential to become a really good shooter." They're excited about him. You know, we'll see. A lot of times, I remember two years ago, like, when the Celtics drafted Jordan Mickey, like, the hype for him went crazy. It was like, what a steal in the second round. And then he had a great summer league. And this is 
They gave him like <laughs> the biggest contract ever for a second yeah. rounder, and people are so excited. And, and we've seen the Jordan Mickey era kind of come and probably go after this summer league on. Yes. No, it is. Uh, it is. There, there always usually ends up being a reason that guys who are supposed to be drafted in the first round falls in the second round. Like uh, Ek Anabogu goes to the Pacers because you know his knee is pretty in pretty bad shape supposedly, and you know it's it's not often that those guys necessarily work out, but. You know, for somebody in Boston, I mean, when you do see Ojale, I mean, he does look exactly like Jay Crowder. I mean, he's a muscle-bound six-seven guy, so yeah, uh, it's easy to see where those comparisons would come from. But let let's spin this forward a little bit. Um, you know, as things stand right now, we're a couple days before free agency. You know, currently, I don't think anything's going to happen while we're recording the podcast and putting it up. But given the way the day has gone, Phil Jackson being fired <laughs> and uh, Chris Paul being traded, there's always a chance of that changing. But um, you know, Boston, I'm counting on you to be tracking like Twitter right now while we're having. Well, I, yeah, we if, if, if yes, well, if we have to hang up, we'll 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 hang up. But so far, <laughs> I think we're we're okay. Um, I'm very curious. Uh, you know, to, very curious to see what happens with Boston. You know, for all you know, I was joking earlier, but at the beginning about how they haven't been involved in the last 24 hours. But um, you know, it really uh, it really is interesting how how Boston kind of holds the keys to everything. Uh, in free agency, they've got a ton of assets, like we just said, to make a trade for somebody like a Paul George, or you know, say if Russell Westbrook doesn't sign his extension on Saturday, they potentially get in the mix for a guy like that, even though they already have Isaiah Thomas. Um, they, uh, they, you know, they could, uh, they obviously want to sign a big name free agent, whether it's Gordon Hayward or or Blake Griffin. Um, so they've they've got a lot of directions they can go. So I guess you know, as we sit here right now, a couple of days before free agency starts, how do you feel about um, the direction that Boston is headed in, and where where do you think their their main focus is going to be when free agency starts on uh, July first? Yeah, I think it's on two guys you mentioned. It's on Gordon Hayward and Paul George, who's obviously not a free agent, but we'll have to kind of the Celtics are going to have to kind of sequence that. You know, if they go after both of them, they got to fill or sign Gordon Hayward with cap space, and then kind of make the trade for Paul George. I think. I don't know, and this kind of might just be me thinking, but I think there's a little bit too much of expectation that Gordon Hayward is just going to like drop everything and sign with the Celtics, like because Brad Stevens is here and they have a good young team. I think people are are kind of underestimating the reality that there's a good chance he'll stay in Utah, but it's almost become like an expectation in Boston now, like oh well, when we get Hayward, you know, you know, of course they could, it wouldn't stun me, but if I'm guessing right now, I I would still think the Jazz are the most likely landing spot. Um, but of course they love him, you know, and there's what's not to love. And there's Brad Stevens connections there. Michael Shrewsbury, assistant coach knows him well. Alex Barlow, one of the video guys, like there for sure are these Butler connections. Nobody knows for sure. Like, I mean, those guys don't even know what kind of impact that might have, but that's obviously the main target. They have had discussions for Paul George. You know, I've had sources tell me on, on draft night, they were, I don't want to say intense, but they definitely made some progress. Uh, and then, of course, there wasn't a deal made with George or anyone. And as Kevin Pritchard kind of said publicly, like they're just kind of surveying their options, and there's no reason for them to rush into something at that point. But the Celtics understand it more like, all right, our deals are kind of out there, and we just aren't quite sure what the Pacers think of them because we don't really know what other people are offering. Like to us, it seems like we're in a good situation, but, but we aren't sure what the Pacers think. People who told me that may have just been lying to me, and there might be a contingency plan set up that, you know, once – Gordon Hayward signs that this deals in too. So, um, but I think in in their perfect world, they end up with both of those guys in in this next week. Yeah, I mean that would really that would really be something. 
um, if they if they could pull that off. Um, obviously, adding you know adding a couple pieces like that to the group they've already got would certainly make the Celtics an intriguing option, especially when you look at the way the league is going and everybody's trying to find long, you know, athletic perimeter players that can both defend and and, and score, and those are two guys that can do that. I mean, it would really be it really be a fascinating setup. Now, um, I think Paul, I think uh, Gordon Hayward's leaving the Jazz now. I don't know where he's going. I think Miami is going to be a really interesting option for him. Uh, as we both know, Pat Riley, when he gets in the room with guys as a, as a, as a way of convincing them uh, to come play for him. So I think that's an option. Uh, but Boston, uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, is obviously going to be in the mix. And, you know, I also think, you know, for a team like the Celtics, you know, I, I don't really think, you know, Paul George, for all the talk that Paul George is going to go play for the Lakers next year for sure, um, I can't see Paul George just bailing on a bat, on a really good team to go play for the Lakers. Right. Um, you know, I think if you can get him in there and and get him part of the team, and they they make another run like they did this year, uh, get back to the conference finals. You know, I, to me, it'd be pretty hard for him to walk away from that to go back to LA as much as he might want to go there. If if it does look like the, the Celtics are going to be the team that I think we both think they can be if they get a couple pieces like that, that with the young guys they have and a couple guys like that could be really, really competitive both now and for a long time to come. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, like like if the Pacers were contenders, I think people would feel like he would stay there. Paul George wants to win. With the Celtics, I think a big part of it just comes down to, like, what the price is and what they're willing to give up just with that uncertainty. There's been some talk about, like, oh, maybe he'll renegotiate and extend, you know, but once the trade's complete. But that, that becomes super complicated for the Celtics if they get Gordon Hayward. Like, that becomes really, really challenging money-wise. Um, dumping like you have to dump like your whole team at that point. Uh, so maybe they do what you said. Maybe they just kind of say, listen, we're going to bring him in here. We're going to have him for a year. And we're going to show him what this culture is like, what, what these fans are like. I mean, they do have one of the best kind of crowds in, in the NBA. I think Al Horford said that had a pretty big impact on him coming from like the dreadful Atlanta crowds. Uh, you know, maybe they just figure we can do this and we can show him what it's like. And he'll want to stay here long-term once he sees what winning is. Yeah, no, it it is it is going to be it is going to be fascinating. Now let's say let's say that the Hayward thing doesn't pan out. Let's say he stays in Utah or goes somewhere else. Do you I mean do you think the Blake Griffin talk makes sense for them or do you think that they maybe try to go in a different direction entirely? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I like if I don't know, if they get Paul George, like to me Blake Griffin almost makes more sense for this Celtics team than Gordon Hayward in a way, which sounds kind of crazy to some people probably, but like they need, I don't know. They need a guy like him, like an above the rim type player when he's healthy. Like Gordon Hayward isn't necessarily that guy. Like he's going to rebound better than those guys. I don't know. It w- I think he, he might be a better fit for what the Celtics need. And you got Al Horford in the interior, a guy that's hardly like storing in for alley oops. I don't know if you saw today. Uh, Isaiah Thomas actually commented on. I saw that the tracking Instagram comments. It's like the most random part of our jobs, probably. But yeah, it was like a slam online. Instagram account and it showed Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan like with the caption like "Thanks for the memories" or something like that. And Isaiah Thomas put the comment on like literally just comments with his with his verified page. Hey Blake, come play for the Celtics. LOL. <laughs> and that's not the first time Isaiah's done that, right? I can't remember. He's definitely been open about his recruiting with like liking stuff and following guys. I'm, right. I can't remember. I don't know if he's actually commented. Yeah, I can't remember the time where he literally just posted, like, hey, come play for our team. 
it, it is completely like our our jobs at this point are just absurd. I mean, the the, <laughs> the, the season the season ended uh, theoretically two weeks ago, and uh, there have been multiple executives fired since then. There have been uh, multiple trades since then. Uh, the number one pick got traded, like we talked about. Chris Paul got traded today. Uh, you know, it's still not. Uh, we still have, you know, more than two entire days before free agency starts at this point. Um, it, it, it really, it really just is insane how yeah. uh, this has just completely dominated the landscape the way it has. Yeah. And I'm sure like the, if you're the NBA, you love it. Like you just stay in the conversation like this. I mean, they have the NBA awards are actually like people are skeptical, but from what I gather, like, you know, that's all Twitter was talking about that night. They've done a good um, job. It, they did a lot. I mean, it was a lot better than I expected, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, it really, it really wasn't, uh, it, yeah, no, I, I was there for that on, on Monday and it, it really, it really, you know, it wasn't anything thrilling, but it was another day on the calendar that the NBA won. Yeah. And, you know, you look now and, you know, we're going into summer league. They broadcast virtually every summer league game live on TV, if not every single one. Um, it, it, it's pretty remarkable how, you know, basically outside of August, the NBA has found a way to make itself relevant in every month on the calendar, yeah. which, uh, you know, like you said, which is exactly what they want. With, with Summer League, that's one thing we forgot to mention earlier, which is just even better for this story. The Celtics opened Summer League on Monday in, in the Utah Jazz Summer League, so they could hypothetically be in Salt Lake City, first of all, when they steal Gordon Hayward from the Jazz, which is funny on its own. Right. Right. But also, the first game is against the 76ers, and presumably Markel Fultz is going to play. So literally, the first summer league game for the Sixers and the Celtics will be Jason Tatum against Markel Fultz. And I cannot wait for the overreaction. I, I want, like, an extreme, either him to score, like, 50 or yes. get completely locked up, just for everyone yes. to just insanely overreact to this one summer league game. And, and Markel Fultz is a guy who doesn't forget things, as uh, my colleague Kent Babb wrote a great profile of him uh, last week. And... Um, it's just uh, it, that will be incredible. I mean, there will be so many, especially especially in your neck of the woods. There will be so many hot takes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, regardless, like almost no matter what he does, like I guess, like you said, if he goes for like he has an okay game or a solid game, and it's not really pretty nondescript, then uh, it won't. Nothing much will be said. But I, I kind of want him to go for. 45 and, and yeah, I want like one of dunk. the two extremes. Right. Just, I, and like dunk on Jason Tatum. I mean, it would be, it would be great. I mean, everybody in Boston would, uh, it, it would be great. Like you said, regardless, like just one way or the other, it would be great to have everybody, um, you know, completely, uh, completely and just go insane about the fact that uh, how could you let this guy go? Um, and then they play again, in Vegas, some, which is so stupid. I think the NBA doesn't look at the schedule and realize, but whatever. But they're playing – well, they probably do realize that they're trying to get these high-profile matches. Yes. But, yeah, exactly. But it's still like they play again in Vegas like a week later. So it'll be two marked up. Although yeah, sometimes the number one picks, of course, will not play every game they sit out. So who knows if they Yeah, but let's hope, that they, let's hope they do, though. It would be, we, uh, we need them to play. Now, uh, to kind of circle back to something you said early on in the pod um, as we wrap up, you mentioned how Danny Ainge has kind of maintained that, look, you got to trust me. I know what's going on. Um, I, we, we've got a plan. Obviously, we both agree he's in absolutely no job security issues, as he, he shouldn't have any, given how good of a job he's done. But do you think that if the, the Celtics do somehow strike out over the next couple of weeks, which I think we both expect they're going to get at least somebody, um, if they do fail to land somebody over the next couple of weeks, 
is, is this kind of a tipping point where people there really start to wonder what the direction is if they can't get Gordon Hayward or Blake Griffin or Paul George or somebody over the next week or so? Uh, you could say that, but I, I don't know. I don't mean, I don't mean like people, I don't mean like people are going to be like in the streets, like yeah, with yeah. pitchforks or anything. Just like, is this like, but this, this really does kind of feel like in the past, like the Celtics have been in the mix for Kevin Durant and other people, but it was kind of like, all right, it was understandable why guys didn't go there. Right. right? But like now it, it just feels to me like if this, if this summer they strike out with, Isaiah Thomas's contract looming, with Avery Bradley's contract looming, Marcus Smart's contract looming. It just ca- does kind of feel like at this point you'd have to start wondering, you know, are they going to go the other way maybe and just tear it down if they can't get somebody and, and really start to commit to some of these young guys. Well, that was exactly what I was going to say in terms of, like, is, is it a breaking point? Because I think when you combine the Warriors' situation of having several years left of presumably dominating, I mean, the Celtics, the Cavaliers' situation, the yeah. LeBron still owns them. There is a little less urgency, I think, among, I don't know, even among some fans. Uh, And that's a real path. Like, that's like a realistic possibility. People have told me, like, that's for their Their perfect situation is building a contender while keeping this second path intact, which is kind of what they're doing so far. Like, you even hear, I haven't heard once from anyone that they would toss, like, the Nets pick into the Paul George trade, the 2018 Nets pick, I mean. Like, they're keeping these prized assets while building along with the Al right. Horfords, with the Isaiah Thomases, maybe bringing Gordon Hayward in, keeping these two paths alive. And in that, look, you add Gordon Hayward, that team's not going to win an NBA title still, but they're going to be better. And then you still right. have these young pieces and young players. And the only thing there is you still have to hope. Like, sure, Jalen Brown looks great, but nobody knows if he's going to become a superstar yet. Jason Tatum, we don't have any idea. The 2018 Netflix isn't even a player yet. So there's just so much more luck involved in those situations rather than you know getting these established stars right now no that's definitely true and we should we should wrap up i think with isaiah thomas um you know monday it was announced he, he finished fifth in mvp voting um you know he he got a uh he got an all defensive team vote which was pretty funny uh, <laughs> that was the best pretty, part of the award vote and he had and he had a pretty funny tweet about that uh yesterday um he's got one year left on his deal He's made it very clear. I think the exact phrase was they're going to have to back the Brinks truck up uh, for me um, next summer in free agency. This is a guy who has never really made much money. Uh, he's on a minimum contract. He was the last pick in the draft in the second round, uh, and then signed a, a fairly modest four for 30 deal or four for 28, I think, with the, uh, the Suns a few years ago. Um, where do you think the Celtics are at with him in terms of committing their long-term future to him? And do you think, you know, for as painful as it might be in Boston, do you think, what do you think, do you think it's more likely that they're willing to pay to keep him around into his mid thirties at what it's going to cost, which would be a lot of money. Or do you think it's more likely that if they can find another path, they find another path and, uh, and decide to let him go instead of paying him whatever it'd be close to probably $200 million next summer as a free agent. Yeah. That's going to be one of the most intriguing storylines for the Celtics this season, I think, because, because, look, I mean, he's he's the face of this franchise. Like, he's the guy when they introduce starting lineups, you get the casual cheers for the four-time all-star Al Horford, and then it's Isaiah, and people go bananas. Uh, people love – he fits kind of Boston. He's a kind of blue-collar, like, came-from-nothing kind of guy. That He embraces Boston. Fun, and he's a fun, I was going to say he's a fun personality, too. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a fun personality. He does – I mean, he won the – 
Community Cares Award from the NBA the other day, and he's a guy, you know, he is really active, going to community events all around the city. Like, he loves that. He loves that there's a city that loves him, I guess is probably a way to phrase it, because he hasn't yeah. had that really yeah. in his career. Yeah. And they do love him. And look, ownership, like, loves him. Like, like look at the stuff he did. I mean, even this past postseason, like, how gritty, everything he went through, obviously, was the death of his sister, and then he yep. has three teeth knocked out and has crazy surgery related to that, and then messes up his hip and is, like, fighting through all of this during this, like, playoff run. Like, that resonates. And I think, I don't know, like, the human aspect of it, you think, like, how can you how can you not bring this guy back? But then there's the other, there's the business aspect of it, which is, all right, here's a guy that we signed him to, like, a four-year deal. is going to be 30 years old, basically, when it starts, and he's a guy who's five foot nine and takes an absolute pounding night after night and as we've seen with this hip injury like can he sustain this like is it, he's not the type of guy i don't think who can really kind of change his game drastically just to become like a spot shooter nor would you want him to do that you know but it, there's certainly be a risk of of sending a max contract his way i think yeah no it'll be it'll be fascinating and it might end up being you know we kind of mentioned the rufus of danny Ainge. it might end up being you know if he if he ends up leaving uh, that that might be the most ruthless move uh, Ainge has made yet because, you know, yeah. you look at how successful he's been and how much people love him there. Uh, it would be, uh, you know, it would be a pretty emotional decision if they if they let him walk. But, you know, as, as we said, Danny Ainge uh, does not shy away from uh, – does not shy away from making moves like that. So, uh, Adam, thanks for the time, man. Before you go, uh, you give the people um, – Give the people an update on what, like, what your next couple of weeks looks like in terms of where you'll be and what you'll be covering because the Celtics not only, like you mentioned, they have some pretty important summer league stuff in addition to being the top team for uh, uh, a lot of top free agents. Um, so, so just give people kind of an update on what your July is going to look like, and also, you know, feel free to pump any uh, any stories you want people to take a look at. Yeah, my July is summer league. Like that's this. Like Sunday, I fly to Salt Lake, and I'm there all week, and then I'll be in Vegas for whatever ten days. Which, as you know, is just too long to ever be in Vegas. Um, <laughs> I have a kind of a, a cool story coming tomorrow, but I can't really talk about it yet, just in case, as you know, that's how this stuff works. But yeah, oh, people okay. should go to BostonGlobe.com tomorrow. And can you, can uh, yeah, you give otherwise. any? Can you give any kind of a? Uh, can you give any? It's kind free. Of agent, it's a. Uh, it's like free agency feature related. Okay. Cool. Well, there you go. So this this will be up late Wednesday. So people go go to the Boston Globe and go to Adam's uh, go to Adam's Twitter account. Uh, it's just Adam Adam Himmelsbach, right? Yeah, nobody can ever spell it. I should I, I should have changed it to like Adam Globe or something. But that's okay. <laughs> what can you do? Hey, I actually asked you, by the way, what did you wear to the uh, NBA awards? I meant to ask you that. Uh, what did I wear? Uh, like, did I you had like to walk dress up? up? Well, I did wore you, like, a suit. Dress up like I wore a suit. I had to walk on the I had to walk on the red carpet, which is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the way the way they, it was very bizarrely set up. It was at this. Uh, well, I guess this is how we're in the podcast. It was at uh, it was at Basketball City, which is this. Uh, which I think you you've probably been there, right? Yeah, um, I actually played games there like 20 years ago. Yeah, so it's a it's a. a well, you were at the old one at Chelsea Piers, right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I haven't been to the okay. new one. Okay. Okay. So. Basketball City is in New York City. It's a gym that used to be in Chelsea Piers on, on the Hudson River uh, on the west side of the city. And it's since moved to the east side of the city, way down by the South Street Seaport in lower Manhattan. Uh, and a lot of teams will shoot around there, um, and, which was already kind of a weird place to have the 
award show anyway. I didn't know why they didn't have it at like a ballroom in the city. Yeah. But, uh, so they have it there, and then they had the media kind of in one section, like way in the back corner, and then they had uh, they had the 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 red carpet was like all the way outside on the other side of the building, and we had been told when we got there that we had to kind of choose where to be. We couldn't be both places. So I didn't really want to do that because I had some things I wanted to ask the players. I uh, included John Wall for a story later this week that I'm excited about. So I just kind of walked out to the red carpet and got uh, got on the got on the red carpet. But to get there, I I like got walked down the red carpet in front of like Kevin Matumbo and all these other people <laughs> who were getting pictures taken because uh, the PR person was like, oh, just walk, just we're just going to walk through here. Uh, so it was kind of a strange. Uh, Did anybody like yet like ask for your autograph or anything? No. No, I, I was glad no photographers like started cursing at me to get out of the way. I was just trying to get out of the way as fast as possible. But um, yeah, no, it was an interesting. Uh, I just wore a suit, but it was an interesting. It was an interesting vibe. I, I uh, you know, I, I thought the NBA got more players there than I expected. Um, you know, they basically got. I think they told everybody who was winning an award ahead of time to show up. Yeah, and so they showed up. Uh, and just about everybody else did not, um, which, you know, which I thought was interesting. Um, you know, at least they have where, you know, Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo was in Greece, so he didn't come, but I think every other award winner was there, uh, which, um, you know, which, which was a decent look for the league. And, you know, I, I'm curious to see where that thing goes in the future, but, um, but yeah, it was it was it was an interesting experience. And I, yeah, I just wore a regular suit. I didn't uh, I didn't, I didn't yeah, try to. Year, I didn't. Year, yeah, tucked it out, man. Well, I didn't. When you when you see what I mean, John Wall showed up in a a bright red suit with I think leopard shoes and sunglasses <laughs> on, and Draymond had a bright green jacket with shorts. Uh, I I can't keep up with those guys. I just yeah. I just wear a suit and and move on with my day. Probably the best approach, actually. Yeah, I think I think you're right. So, uh, all right, Adam, thanks again for the time, man, and uh, best of luck over what should be a couple crazy weeks. And I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you for too many days in Las Vegas. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Adam for coming on the podcast. Uh, I thought it was a fun conversation. Uh, he does a tremendous job, as I said, covering the Glo- uh, the Celtics for the Boston Globe. Uh, follow his work on Twitter. Follow him at the Globe. Uh, the Celtics are going to be in the middle of everything that's happening over the next few weeks, and. Adam is as good as anybody there is covering it. So be sure to check him out and follow along with his work to see what the Celtics do and where they go from here. If they do manage to get Paul George, if they get Gordon Hayward, uh, you know, if they don't get anybody, um, you know, they've, they've got a lot of paths ahead of them and it will be fun to see uh, what, what comes forward for them. And, uh, and Adam will do a great job covering it. Uh, as for me, you can follow my work uh, at Tim Bontemps on Twitter, at Tim Bontemps NBA on Facebook. Uh, in the pages of the Washington Post print version and on our website at WashingtonPost.com slash sports. Um, we've got a new stump post up, breaking down every trade and every signing of any significance. I'm going to grade everything, so be sure to follow along there for that. Um, you can uh, pay attention to this podcast. going to talk to Tony Jones from the Salt Lake Tribune tomorrow about the other side of uh, this thing, the, the Gordon Hayward sweepstakes and where he goes, and if he, if he does end up leaving the Jazz, where they go from there. Um, so that'll be, that'll be upcoming. Please subscribe to the Monday morning post up, uh, my weekly, uh, newsletter about the NBA. Um, it's going to be a lot of stuff happening over the next few days and, and I'm going to recap it all on Monday. Uh, so you can find that at 
wapo.st slash postupnewsletter. That's wapo.st slash postupnewsletter. Uh, ask for everyone listening to the pod. Thank you for doing so. Please give it a five-star rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher and uh, wherever else you get your podcasts. That really helps and is appreciated. Um, hopefully, like I said, this is the first of you know a couple podcasts this week, and we can really start ramping this back up as we get into free agency and see where things go from there. So uh, for everyone listening, thank you for doing so, and we'll talk to you again very soon.